0: And welcome to today's podcast, Where Have All the Jobs Gone? Resume Edition. We are going to be talking today about the job search process and some resume tips during this time of the COVID pandemic. I, my name is Shelley Snyder, my, I am the Assistant Director of Career Services in the Purdue School of Engineering and Technology at IUPUI. I've been at IUPUI since 2012, and before I came to work at IUPUI, I spent 13 years in the Corporate Recruiting and Human Resources Manager field. We have also on our call today, um, uh, Willow, and I'll let her introduce herself.
1: Hi, so I'm Willow Kinglock, and I am the Executive Director of Academic Advising and Career Services. I've been with the school since January, uh, but on campus since 2011, and in Career Services since about 2007 with some graduate work kind of stuff before that. Um, So have reviewed as all of us have thousands and thousands of resumes as well as hired lots of people.
0: Yes, great, thank you Willow. Amy, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi everyone, this is
2: Amy Wilson. For those of you who don't know me, I also work in career services here with these lovely ladies. Um, I've been at IUPUI for going on five years and prior to being at IUPUI, I worked in a variety of human resources roles, primarily in talent acquisition, but had some other roles sprinkled in there as well.
0: Great. Thank you. Uh, You know, I know that today's podcast is about resumes, but the whole search process is pretty important and something that we can help students with. Amy, would you mind telling us a little bit about the job search process?
2: Sure, so the job search process is pretty straightforward, but it's something we like to usually go over with um, students when you come in to see us. So the first step that we always say is, do you have a resume? Um, And that goes along with all of the documents that you probably should prepare before you start looking for a job. So um, first and foremost is a resume. You may also want to gather a cover letter. Now we'll go into a little bit more detail on that. Um, But if you have kind of a baseline cover letter, that'll help you in the process. And then um, you may also want to have a separate document with your reference information. We don't want you to include on your resume, we'll go over that too, but um, we do want you to gather that information because you'll probably need it for some sort of online application. Speaking of applications, the next step is finding the jobs and applying to them. I always say finding a job is a full-time job, so expect to put some time and effort into it, set a time aside every day to do it. Um, Otherwise, it might feel too daunting if you try to get it all done in one day. So just set up so I had a little bit of time every day to do it. After you start applying, hopefully you'll get some interviews, it should probably start with a phone or a Skype interview, or FaceTime or something of that nature. Um, Phone interviews and I think you know, virtual interviews are going to become way more prevalent than they were. I don't know how much we're going to see in-person interviews with all this virus stuff going on. Um, so be prepared to you know, present yourself virtually the same way that you would during an interview. And then after you interview, hopefully you'll get an offer and we can negotiate with you. Um, we, I say with you because it's something that our office definitely helps students with. And they think sometimes it's an underutilized service that our students don't realize we can help them with. A lot of times people are very uncomfortable when it comes to negotiating. Um, But the recruiters and the HR people, they're very comfortable doing it. And lucky for you guys, we were once those people. So we can help you get more money and make sure that you're not leaving any money on the
0: table is what I call it. That's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that information, Amy. And for those of you listening, all of these services as well as instructions for how to get on our calendars are available on our website. Next up, we'd like to talk a little bit about resume tips. And what we're going to do is just uh, uh, take some turns uh, 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 talking about some of our favorites. Uh, uh, Willow, Amy, would one of you like to start out talking about your favorite resume tips?
1: I'll let you go, Willow. Sure. So I think one thing that students often get wrong is the name of their degree, their school, their major. So making sure that's all really clear in your education section at the top. Um, so you will want to list it as the Purdue School of Engineering and Technology, comma, IUPUI, um, as well as including your Bachelor of Science in whatever your major is. Um, students, I've seen lots of different things listed, and that's really one of the main credentials that's going to get you into the internship or into the the job is having or working towards the degree that you're getting so making sure that you're including all of that information and all of this is going to be on our website if you want more information we're not going to go sort of step by step through all of it but just highlight some main things that we see go wrong with resumes on a daily basis.
0: And uh, on that note on our website we actually have Sample resumes for each of our 18 majors. So uh, because you know what an employer is looking for in a mechanical engineering resume Is slightly different than what an employer is looking for in a computer engineering resume. So be sure to check out our website to see those samples by major
2: And along those same lines, I'll just add in that, you know, if you put Purdue University Indianapolis I see that a lot and it's because students want to advertise that they're getting a Purdue degree which great you should you're paying for it but the problem is there's really no such thing as Purdue University Indianapolis and so you know when I was a recruiter if I saw that I would think one of two things first I would think that you were trying to trick me into thinking that you were at Purdue West Lafayette that'd be number one number two I might think does this person not know where they go to school and so you know, you have to understand that your resume is your very first impression and you don't want them to think negative things about you Um, because they don't know you well enough to, you know, think positively of you. So that would be um, why you would want to be really accurate when you're listing the school name and be really clear because you don't want them to think that you're trying to pull one over on them because eventually they'll figure it out (laughs) what school you're going to. Um, I also tell students too, sometimes there's a stigma where they feel like they they want to make people think they're in what they're at West Lafayette. And I always tell my students, West Lafayette and IEPUI are different campuses. And so instead of trying to assimilate to West Lafayette, talk about what makes you different and unique at IUPUI. Um, Because I think our students have benefits to them and there are benefits to our degree compared to West Lafayette. So, you know, if you're not sure what those are, come talk to us. We can talk you through it. Um, but, yeah, try to differentiate yourself instead of trying to make yourself blend in to a campus that you're not going to.
0: That is a great tip, Amy. Thank you for that. And I, I concur. When students would put I, I clearly could tell that they went to IEPUI, but they put, uh, uh, something different than that. It is very confusing to the employer. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: let's talk about GPAs. What advice do y'all have about GPAs listed on your resume?
1: So what I tell students is anything that's going to help you sell yourself, you want to list it on your resume. So a GPA that's over a 3.0, Is a good thing, and you want to list it on your resume. If you're under a 3.0, probably best to leave it off. Obviously, if the application asks for a GPA, you want to be truthful. Um, You always want to be truthful in any interaction you have with an employer. Um, But it's it is a great way if you have a high GPA to show sort of that academic um, side of yourself. That's great advice. Yeah, I give uh,
2: the same advice. Um, You know, sometimes I'll get students that say, you know, should I even bother applying because I don't have a 3.0, and I you know, when I was a recruiter, I didn't necessarily have requirements from the organization I worked for to look for a certain GPA. Um, sometimes certain positions did require that, but if I found a student that I felt like was really well-rounded, meaning they're involved outside of the classroom, inside of the classroom, have a decent GPA, um, I would pass them along, even if they didn't necessarily meet that hard GPA requirement. So just, you know, try to focus on schoolwork obviously and get the best GPA you can, but it isn't always know everything to the employer
0: that's absolutely right absolutely right let's talk about customizing your resume what tips do y'all have for that and why would you do that
1: so i think this is where it's especially important with the pandemic with some companies having hiring freeze you know you really want to stand out and this is the easiest way to stand out if you take the job description and you match your skills that you have to the resume that's going to show that recruiter when they're glancing through it, that they, they want to interview you, which is what the resume's job is right. To get an interview. And so taking the time and I'm not talking tons of time, like 20 minutes per application to tailor your resume, either the applicant tracking system, which is the software that companies use to read through resumes or the actual human being that's looking at your resume is going to see that you match that job and you're going to go into that. Yes, pal for an interview. So use the same words that they use. If they are looking for project management, a team player, detail-oriented, those words should be reflected when you're describing your experiences. Um, And if you're using similar words, but they're different, that software might not catch it. So again, using their language when you tailor your resume to that position. Great
0: advice.
2: And so I kind of have, little bit different advice but along the same lines so giving you an example when I was a recruiter I was um, at one point in charge of recruiting for IT professionals I am NOT an IT person I did not go to school for IT things so if you had a certain software um, that you had experience in that I was looking for but you didn't explicitly list that on your resume maybe you put something that just implies that you have that I wouldn't know because I'm not an IT person so you know, you have to remember your audience as far as using those words on your resume. Um, if it's an applicant tracking system, so if you're going to a big company, I 100% agree with Willow in the fact that, like, even those soft skills, you have to try to incorporate those words. If you're applying to a smaller organization that maybe doesn't necessarily have that applicant tracking system, I think it's okay to address what they're looking for without using the words. So if they want someone who's a team player, make sure you've got some group projects on your resume. Um, I think it's super important to for sure reflect what they're looking for because like Willow mentioned, they're not taking a ton of time to look at your resume. They're kind of doing that first initial glance to to decide if you're gonna go in the yes pile or the no pile. And it's an HR person looking at your resume. This is especially important for my engineering and technology people. Um, Sometimes if your resume can't speak to both the technical side and the HR person. Maybe that's where you're getting hung up. So it has to be a nice blend. It does. I
0: absolutely. Yeah, and um, I was going to say, you know, on average, um, uh, the first time employers are looking at your resume, they're only taking six seconds to look at that document. So um, making sure that it is customized to that company and shows exactly the information that they want to see quickly and uh, in, in a, you know, bullet point list instead of paragraphs, super important. I'm sorry, Willow, what were you going to say?
1: Yeah, so I think a couple pieces there too is they're not looking for, let's say communication is an important skill as it is to everybody. A bullet point that just says communication doesn't really tell anything about you. Communication means lots of different things. But like Amy said, describing what you did in that group project, as a team, in your internship, whatever it is. And then the other piece of this is the resume needs to be tailored for what type of position. So some of you might be looking for, hey, I need a job to pay the bills right now because I just graduated my student loans are going to be doing six months, a resume for that kind of job should look different than the resume that for that technical job that you're looking for. You know, the, the technical skills are important for that career, but just for a job that should look different if you're trying to get like a job as a server or something like that.
2: Yeah. And I'll say too, like when I was graduating, I did this because I graduated with a communications degree. So Um, I could have gone into HR. I could have gone into PR. It kind of, you know, it was a broad range of things. And at the time I wasn't 100% sure what I was going to do because the economy was terrible and I was going to take whatever job I got. So instead of, you know, tailoring every single resume every single time I applied because I had to apply to a lot of jobs. Eventually, you get to the point where you have more of an HR specific one or, you know, in an engineer case, maybe you've got more of a mechanical engineering type and maybe you've got more of a research and development, maybe you've got more. So you'll, you'll start to find that you have different versions of resumes um, based on the types of jobs you're applying to. So eventually you won't have to do a ton of customizing every time you apply. How do y'all feel about objective statements? I'll take that one um objective statements for me are only important when your resume doesn't make sense at a glance so what i mean by that is i will give you an example there was a woman once that applied for an administrative assistant job that i was recruiting for she had a marine biology degree she worked as an engineer i think at one point and was hopping around to all different kinds of jobs. She had a couple different degrees, all in different industries. And her objective statement told me basically why she was applying to the administrative assistant job. And it was because she was retired and she wanted something to do with her time. And so that made perfect sense. And she was a great candidate. But had she not really explained in that objective statement that she wanted to, she intended to apply for this administrative assistant job, I might have thought that maybe she applied by accident. So, um, you know, for most of our students unless you need it to fill some space on your resume, it's not always necessary. Um, It may be necessary for maybe some of our non-traditional students that are maybe working in a different industry, but if you are a first time um, student and you you have a mechanical engineering degree or you're working towards a mechanical engineering degree, you've had mechanical engineering internships, and then you're applying to mechanical engineering full-time jobs upon
1: graduation, they know what your objective is.
0: That's right, that's right. (laughs)
1: Okay. And Let's, most objectives are generic. So if you are going to do one, please don't make it generic.
0: That's right. You got to be specific about what type of position you're looking for, whether that be a full-time position or whether that is an internship. And you need to be specific about what type of position you want within that organization. So do they want to be a project manager? Do they want to do design? Do they want to do uh, uh, research and development? So being specific is very important in that.
2: And I will also add to that specificness that it is important to be specific, but I often will see um, students try to incorporate the company name into the objective. It's yeah. a little problematic. Number one, it looks like fill in the blank. They know you're doing it for every company. You're really not going to impress them by doing it. And number two, you will forget to change that company name and you will apply. <laughs> and so <laughs> that's also not a good look. So I tell them just leave the company name out of
0: it. Ah, that has happened to me lots of times. I'll get totally. rid of have another company's name in them. Yeah. Um, So let's talk about cover letters. Uh, When do you do them? Uh, How long are they? What should you include? What do recruiters do with them?
1: So my take on cover letters is it's always good to do one if you can, and if you're going to do a good job with it, because yes, it might not get read. That's completely possible. But if they do read it, and it's good and you've tailored it to the position, that's one more thing that can get you noticed. You've shown them, hey, I went a little above and beyond here. Um, Tailoring does not mean much like the objective, changing the name of the title and the name of the company and moving on. It means taking it down to, here's a couple of examples of skills that I have that are similar to this position in a one-page format. I have a cover letter soapbox um, that I'm on right now, but a well done cover letter can help you. A bad cover letter or a generic cover letter can hurt you. Um, And the other piece, address it to a person, if at all possible. I know that sounds really old fashioned, but it can make a difference. My first position that I hired here at IUPUI, I had 200 applicants for one clerical position. Two of those people used my name. I am very (laughs) Googleable as the director of the office. Um, And those two people got a second look. To be honest. I didn't hire either of them, but they got a second look. They went into the from the maybe pile to the second look pile. Um, So I think a cover letter can be helpful, short, sweet, to the point
0: Along the lines of the, uh, who do you address it to? Something that I see a lot is people using um, uh, uh, the gender, their introduction, and they'll say, dear sir or madam. And, and, and that's probably going to offend someone. So you're better off just taking gender out of the equation, uh, addressing the person as the hiring manager or the hiring committee it is a better way to go with that.
2: So my take on cover letters, um, sometimes students struggle with what to say and so i try to give the advice and i might have said this in the last episode but think about your cover letter as pulling out the specific pieces of your resume for that particular job that you want them to read so if they read nothing else on your resume what would you want to tell them about yourself in that letter um i also tell them to think about Okay, you're in an elevator and you have a five minute ride with the hiring manager, what specific important things would you tell them about yourself, those need to go in that cover letter. Um, I'm a little bit different in the fact that I didn't care if they addressed the cover letter to me or not. So like, you'll get different opinions by different people. Um, but truthfully I didn't read cover letters a whole lot so that probably has something to do with it also but if they're reading the cover letters and you know they have a preference then yeah put their name in there because it's not gonna hurt you um, so yeah if you can find a name great if you can't you know don't not write a cover letter because you can't find a name
0: that's right yeah I know, when I was taught to review resumes um, long time ago. (laughs) Uh, It was uh, by a a vice president of human resources for a a very large corporation here in town. And um, he taught me to read the resume first. And if I didn't get what I needed from the resume, then move to the cover letter. Yep. That's Um, what
1: I did too.
0: so not all cover letters will get read, but if your qualifications are exactly the same as someone else's qualifications, and you've included a cover letter and the other person hasn't, you're more likely to get put into that yes pile than that other person. So it's better to include one than not include one. No. So in this time of the the pandemic of 2020 we've had a lot of students who uh, secured internships back in the during the fall recruiting season in September uh, but those internships were not supposed to start until May of 2020 and since a lot of those positions uh, uh, were either canceled or uh, they were asked to work remotely how would you talk about that on your resume or cover letter?
1: I think it depends. I don't necessarily think I would put an internship that got rescinded on a resume unless you need to fill the space. Um, I think we talked about that just a little bit in our last podcast, but you didn't really. Yes, you achieved getting the internship, but what did you get out of it? You, you weren't able to learn The content of the internship because you didn't complete it. So I think for some people they need the space that's fine but if you've done other things I don't think it needs to be on there. Uh, What do you guys think?
2: I mean I think it could go in a cover letter. You have to do it gracefully so definitely come to us for some finessing and Shelley's favorite thing wordsmithing
1: um,
2: (laughs) to make sure that you know you're you're presenting yourself well. You don't want them to think That it was rescinded, you know, because yes, there was a pandemic, but maybe you also weren't the strongest candidate. Like we have to make sure that it's not going to put any doubt in their mind, because again, for some reason, hiring managers, HR people, they always take the side of the company before they know you. So, um, you know, you don't want to create any doubt. So, you know, come to us. But you know, I agree with Will. I don't think it should go on your resume unless you're doing something like I know there was a certain company here that um, had to rescind. Offers or a big employer, and they are doing like a almost like a virtual summer learning thing. Maybe that could go on your resume, and those that's for the people who couldn't actually complete their internship. But outside of something like that, you know, I think it's a a case by case basis. So reach out to us.
0: I agree. I agree. And so for those students who were offered in-person internships and then those were transitioned into remote internships, um, would you do anything differently when you're listing that experience on your resume? I wouldn't.
2: I feel like everyone's remote. Everyone's going to assume you were remote (laughs) during this time unless your responsibilities drastically changed and were maybe, I don't know, demoted from the responsibilities you were going to have before. But um, other than that, I would listed just like you would if you were there in person.
1: Yeah, you could focus on, I mean, there's, I think we're all learning new skills (laughs) um, in doing this, whether that's the soft skills, the technical skills, you know, maybe you had added responsibilities. So I think definitely framing it in a way, showing what you've learned from remote work because you might be going into another remote work position. I think remote work's gonna become a lot more common. So showing those skills and resiliency and problem solving and initiative that you took from your remote work, I think is really important.
0: Great advice, thank you. One of the things that I struggle with, with resumes the most, and I see students struggle with the most is when you're listing your experience or your project work, you typically uh, list the title of the project that you did, when you did that project, and then a couple of bullet points about what you specifically did in that project. Um, uh, you know, you, you don't wanna talk about what the, the project was necessarily about or what other people on the team did for the project. You want to be specific about what did you do for the project, but developing those sentences in the bullet points is, is difficult because uh, Uh, On average, um, uh, uh, people like to tend to read sentences that are eight words or less. So how do you put that into, how how do you describe a whole project in three eight word sentences? Do you all have any advice for that?
2: So I tend to think of it a little bit like a formula. So with the title of the project, you want to come up with something that is short and sweet and understandable by someone who maybe isn't even in your field. Um, And then I always say that projects should have at least three bullet points. So the first bullet point should be what the goal of the project is, what the overall thing you're trying to accomplish. Um, The second bullet point should be what you specifically did in that project, especially if it's a group project. And then the third one is the result. So did you accomplish your goal or, you know, how did it help whatever process you were trying to do Um, So that's kind of my general advice when it comes to a project section. The other thing I'll throw in there too, that especially in these times, if you didn't have an internship this summer or you had one and it was rescinded, projects are a great way to showcase that you didn't sit around all summer. Um, So you know, learning a new skill, doing something, even if it's not related to what you want to do when you graduate, that's okay to put that on there to show that you were learning and being active with your time.
1: And I think it's also okay if you were halfway through a project and it got canceled, too. That That's still something that's worthy of your resume. And that happens in research. That happens in different places. So still put those kind of things on there. And then I think the other piece is emphasizing any technical skills or systems or things like that that you learned, even if it's in the technical skills section. Again, those, those applicant tracking systems will read that it's there more than once. And that's points in your favor if it's important to the, to the job.
0: Great. Thank you. So um, the last thing we wanted to talk about with resumes was references. Um, How should you format those? Where should you put them? When
1: should you submit
0: them? What what advice do you all have for those?
1: So my take is I always think references go on a separate page. Um, They should go on a separate references page with your header on it and you save them until they're asked for. So some people check references at the beginning. It might be part of the the application process. Personally, when I do interviews, I check references at the very end when I'm down to like two people. Um, So that way, ideally you're giving your references a heads up saying, hey, uh, Shelly, I know you're my reference for this job. They're probably gonna call you next week. Here's a link to the position in case Shelly wants to go in and take a look. Um, So I say, leave them off. If you need to fill the space, I guess you can put them on there, but yeah. What do y'all think?
2: Yeah, I agree. So um, I saw a situation unfold one time. Uh, somebody listed their current manager as a reference. That current manager did not know that this person was looking to leave or could leave. They would have gladly provided them a reference. Um, there was some miscommunication and essentially, the manager was called for a reference. Um, He did not know that his employee was looking to leave and basically was tipped off that the person was looking to leave. And then that person didn't get an offer. So that was really uncomfortable. So I personally, when I'm applying, even if it makes you put something, I put like TBD or NA or upon request, I, I don't give out that information because Sometimes people aren't responsible with it. And so, you know, I wanna make sure that I am also kind of screening them in a way to make sure it's a legit job, one that
1: I want, and one that's worthy of them calling my references. I think that's great. I think the other thing for that is making sure that you ask your references. I know that sounds basic, but a lot of people will forget to assume that it's okay. Um, Make sure you ask if they can provide a strong reference for you and then let them know what you're looking for. Give them a copy of your resume. Send them a link to a typical position. Uh, I know I got a call once I had volunteered to serve. Well, I hadn't been asked to serve as a reference for a student worker. It was about a year after she graduated. I got a call. I couldn't remember her major. I didn't know what kind of job she was applying for. I could say she was nice and she was a pleasant student. It. I mean, I felt bad. She was a perfectly nice girl, but I had no idea what kind of job she was looking at. So that wasn't a good reference, and it was because she didn't ask me and provide me with any details about what she was doing yeah yeah and, and I would say
0: you know be very sure that your list of references are actually going to give you good comments so I've done reference checks before as a recruiter where the person on the other end of the phone was not a fan of the person that had listed them as a res- as a reference <laughs> Make sure that you have a good relationship with that person and make sure that you have an understanding of what they're going to talk about. Um, Before we close, uh, I wanted to uh, give everybody an opportunity to share anything else you think that our students should know about resumes.
1: So I think with the pandemic that's going on right now, I know some companies are, you know, slowing hiring or pushing hiring back people are going to, you all (laughs) listening, are going to need to be more um, less picky, I guess, about your your application. So apply to more places. Think whether that's geographically expand, you know, maybe you want to stay in Indy, but maybe you're willing to go as far as Chicago or Cincinnati. Maybe you want a certain kind of company, certain kind of position. Open that up a little bit. The more flexible you are, this is a first job. First job's the hardest one, but then once you have the experience, you can move on. So Be less picky um, and be more flexible and plan to apply to more positions than you will have interviews for
0: that's right that's right yeah you'll definitely be applying to more positions than you will get invited to interview and uh, when you do get invited to interview don't stop applying there's no guarantee that you will get that position and and you should keep keep moving forward with your other applications yeah, anything? along
2: those same lines, yeah, along those same lines what Shelly was saying, I can't tell you how many times I hired someone for a position and then, you know, they tell me during the interview process, or maybe I happened to see in the applicant tracking system that they had applied to like five other jobs and we just passed them over for whatever reason. Um, and they were a great candidate. There was really no reason for it. Maybe we had already filled it or found the person and they had applied just after we made an offer or something like that. So don't let it discourage you from a, a company. Keep applying, even if you've already applied. Um, Because I can't tell you how many times somebody had applied more than once before we hired them.
0: Yeah. And and along those lines, some of these large corporations like Cummins and Rolls-Royce, they're hiring people, don't talk to each other. It's very siloed. So if you apply to a position in one department, they're not going to share your resume with another department. So you need to apply to all of the jobs that you're interested in within that
1: organization. And a quick plug for networking. I know that's harder to do right now because we're all on Zoom and, you know, LinkedIn is helpful, but only so much. But the more people you can talk to, if you can get your resume sent to someone who works at that company and then that person passes it along, it's going to get a closer look. So when you're taking your time to fill out applications and work on your resume, do some of that networking and that's going to pay off for you in the end. Great advice
0: well uh, thank you Amy and Willow for taking your time to talk about resumes today our next podcast will be coming out soon so be sure to look for uh, the the next episode we are here for our students so you we have drop-ins on uh, Tuesday Wednesdays and Thursdays from 10 to noon and from 2 to 4 those are all virtual right now and we also have the ability to take one-on-one appointments with our students so uh, be Sure, to look at our website for a plethora of resources as well as information on how to speak with us individually.
1: And if you're listening and you just graduated in May, we also help alumni for free, no charge to you. So everyone that's a graduate or an alum can use our services. Great,
0: thank you. Thank you all for listening today. We hope to have you join us next time.
1: Bye.